Gonna drag this Sunday school out for a long time, amen. Why hurry up and rush to go teach something else when we got so much fun teaching this, right? First Timothy 4, verse 1. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, plainly, boldly. That's what people don't want to hear. They don't want to hear a man of God preach boldly. Tell it like it is and put the book on. As Christians, we're not afraid to take a sword and stick somebody with it. Amen? That's not cruel, mean, and unusual punishment. That's what you're supposed to do. The sword has got a point on it. Amen? You stick it in. Right? You take the word of God and you apply it. You know, somebody says, well, I want to do this. Well, I ain't worth going to hell. Stick it. You understand? Jesus wasn't afraid to stick him. That's what people don't like about preaching is it sticks. And people ought to be bold enough to be able to tell the truth. Amen? The Spirit speak expressly that in the latter time, some shall depart from the faith. Well, uh, there's a whole lot more depart from faith than just some. I mean, it's most right now. Uh, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy. You want to know something? There's a bunch of people standing behind pulpits and on radio stations and television that are liars. Amen. Let God be true and every man a liar. These people are liars. Amen. They're living hypocritical. They live opposite of what they're saying and then they don't preach the truth on top of it. Amen. They twist the word of God. Having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Amen. How's that happen? How they get their conscience seared? They sin against it. They sin against their conscience and they keep sinning against it and it gets calloused. You understand? There's a bunch of people out there that they can't even blush. The Bible said they got a whore's forehead. What's that mean? Can't blush. Amen. And uh, so they had their conscience seared with hot iron. And people sit back and say, well, that don't convict me. I ain't convicted about it. Well, you ought to be. And I've said it for years when I preached. I said, well, if you're not convicted about it, number one, you're probably not saved. Or number two, you got a conscience that's seared. And, uh, or, or, you know, if you got a seared conscience as a saved person, I, I feel sorry for you. Because that's what the Holy Ghost works with is a person's conscience. And it ought to bother If they say something bad, think something bad, do something bad, watch something bad, hear something bad, it ought to bother uh, How we can be contented and and callous to where we can sit down and watch filth and smut on television and it don't bother us. You can listen to somebody just cuss up a storm and you just, just goes right over your head to see people naked and all that other kind of stuff and it don't bother you. I, their conscience is seared. I'd hate to be in a place where God can't deal with me because I'm so callous and so hard. We're living in a day and time where it don't matter to people. It just... Just goes right over the top of their head. They could care less. And I'm talking professional Christians. They care less. It don't bother them if they don't read their Bible. It don't bother them if they don't pray. It don't bother them if they rob God. It don't bother them if they don't win nobody to God. Just, just callous, cold callous. Amen. Why? Because they, they want to serve the flesh and live for the flesh. Look at this. Forbidding the what? You know who does that? Catholic Church does that. And so they tell a priest, you can't marry nobody, so uh, they can't marry nobody, so they want to attack you little boys. All these people send their boys to the church, become all the boys, and then, and then there are a bunch of them molested by the preacher, or the priest. Amen? Isn't that a wonderful thing? Huh? 
you got a you got a bunch of fornicating bachelors over there is what you got. But they won't tell you the truth about all the nuns that had abortions because they made this vow of celibacy and they're fornicating too. Having their conscience here without iron, forbidding the marriage, commanding to abstain from meats. Who does that? Well, there's, there's some Baptists even trying to get on that, trying to tell you you can't eat pork. Now, uh, a lot of people sit back and say, well, you know, there is some health issue towards pork. And, uh, <clears throat> well, it may be, but the, the, the veil's been lifted on that thing in Acts chapter number 10. And God said, what I have cleansed, call thou not unclean. And if God cleansed and gave us permission to eat bacon, then there's nothing wrong with eating bacon. There's nothing wrong with eating ham if God's cleansed that thing. You understand? But these people want to sit back and a bunch of Baptists want to put you under bondage, put you back under the Old Testament <coughs> law. Amen. And then there's a bunch of people that turn around and, and uh, the, like the Catholics tell you, you can't eat fish on Friday. Amen. Or can't eat meat on Friday, so you got to eat fish. Well, fish is meat the last time I remember. But these people want to command you to abstain, abstain from meats. There's vegetarians. They don't, they don't, or vegans or whatever they are. Amen. Telling you you can't eat meat. Uh, Hindus, they won't eat, they won't eat their holy cow. Amen. Right? There's a bunch of religions out there. It's not just Catholics, there's a bunch of people. I don't know quite know the seven day Adventist uh, health care code, but I, I'm sure there's things in there that tell their people you can't eat. They're pretty holistic in their food approach. Uh, you just need to watch it. Dr. Joe Wallach, I was listening to him the other day. He's against eating meat that's too overcooked. He said you're best eating medium rare than you are to eat it the other way. He said if you do, it's what's cooked. It's the carcinogens and all that other stuff that's in the cooking when you cook it that hurts you. Uh, just like uh, Dr. Glidden was talking the other day, he was saying that uh, the worst part about frying food is fry smelling the fried food. And he said, you're better off having a cigarette than you are french fry, mm -hmm. as far as health-wise, because of those carcinogens or whatever that, that you're taking in. And you breathe, these women that are cooking the chicken and all that, they're breathing all that stuff that's cooking in that oil and that frying in that oil, and they're breathing that in, and uh, that's not a good thing. They said, how come ladies in the church never smoke a cigarette a day in their life, turn around good women and always serving the church and cooking for them and doing all that, die of lung cancer? They've been eating all that, smelling all that fried chicken and fried taters and fried everything. Amen. They're fry, 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 fry. He says it's one of the worst things you can do. So I understand from a health point of view, if a man sits back and tells you you ought not overcook and things like that, but he's not commanding you to abstain from meat, he's just trying to tell you to change your approach to cooking the food. Amen. Uh, if you want to have fun, type in Dr. Joe Wallach on YouTube and uh, look at all the things that he says about nutrition and health and things like that. Dr. Glidden had a map of the United States, and you know what the southeastern part of the United States is, right? It's all the Confederate states down here, the southeastern part of the United States, and he had it color-coded according to the ages that they live. And, he's, and most of all the southern parts of the United States where they fry all their foods, was red and he said if it's red you're dead and how they don't live very long lives down there there ain't a whole lot of southern preachers live very long lives that's chewing on uh, uh, chicken all the time fried chicken 
Amen. They might be happy when they die. Yeah. <laughs> but they die early because they got bad health. And then he said, Brother Joe Wallet said, the people over here in the Midwest, they live out in the Midwest area, they stew their food versus fry their food, and they live longer. The farmers and everybody out here, the way they cook their food is different than the way they cook it down south. That's why they live longer. Dr. Wallach's given his life to studying people and how long they live. And he goes all over the country. And he, anybody that's living long, he goes and looks and listens and learns. Try to help people live longer. And his recommendation is don't fry your food. Amen. And uh, you want to live a long time. So he's he's been hunting. And I've been looking and listening. And I said, yeah, I like that. Amen. And so uh, I'm trying to learn. I'm trying to grow. The Bible says... Let's look at something real quick. Let's look in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We're caught up in a society of fast foods, right? And we cook everything, and we, we love the grilled hamburgers, and we love the uh, grilled or, uh, fried chickens. <laughs> And the French fries and all that stuff. Look at First Corinthians chapter nine, verse three. And this we do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker thereof with you. Know ye not that they which run a race run all, but one receiveth the prize? So run that you may attain. First Corinthians nine, verse twenty-five. He said three. Verse twenty-five. And every man that striveth for the master is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. Therefore, so I run, not as uncertainty, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. Lest by any means when I've preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. A castaway there, uh, every person that believes you can lose your salvation believes it's you, you've sinned against the Lord in some manner or fashion and you got cast away. And you're going to be lost in hell. What it's talking about there is it's a man that's fighting. It's a man that's running. It's a man that's physically in shape and fighting a battle and what he's talking about is you're physically out of shape if you don't keep your body in subjection you can become a castaway you can preach to others but you ain't eating right you ain't doing right you ain't at bodily exercise and you can wind up on a shelf and dead and therefore you ain't no good and there's tons and tons and tons of Baptist preachers want to make all the sweet little old ladies and in their church happy by eating their foods and they're killing us. Amen? <laughs> Amen. Lester Roloff said that. Lester Roloff said, you know, he said, you women are killing your husband. He said, he did. He said, man, you want to put all that gravy, that flour and get gravy in their heart and you're clogging their arteries and, and uh, he said, you're killing them. He said, they need to eat better than that. And uh, so, uh, Lester Roloff was hard on it. Lester Roloff was a sickly man until he got to where he began to eat healthy and his health turned around and by faith he would fast. He's got a message on faith, food, and fasting. And uh, he learned how to do that. And what killed Lester Roloff was a plane crash. Amen. It wasn't, it wasn't his health. 
And so everybody says, well, you know, eating healthy costs more. Well, eating cheaper costs you more. It costs you your health. And by the time you wind up going to the hospital, by the time you wind up going to the doctors and paying those bills, uh, amen, I found out that ever since I've been on this correct my high sugar, that all the pharmaceuticals and all the, the, the things that the doctors want to do to try to help me maintain my sugar and make it right cost me my health. So what are you doing? I'm firing my MD like Dr. Glidden said to do. Fire your MD now. Dot com. Amen. So what are you doing? I'm trying to change. Uh, there's a bunch of things out there that the world's doing to make some kind of sugar substitutes and all these other things, and the cure is worse than the disease. Amen. So I'm, I'm changing all that stuff. Why? Because I don't want to be a castaway. I mean, three years ago, four years ago, I was taking Provostatin uh, or Prostatin drug and I got to work at Harley Walk and go down the steps and I quit it. The doctor got all mad. What do you You can't quit. I said, I got to. He said, why? The cure is worse than, than the disease. You understand? I'd rather have high sugar and, and, uh, and then I would. And they said, no, you don't want that. I'd rather have high sugar than to deal with your guys' cure. And so what are you doing? I'm finding, I'm finding people that got ways to be able to heal me naturally. They said, well, what about the money? Well, let's see. Three surgeries in four years times 6,000 plus for my deductibles. I got about 20,000 wrapped up in doctor bills minimum in the last four years. I said, I guess uh, eating minerals and herbs and vitamins and fresh fruits and vegetables is a whole lot cheaper than paying all the deductible on my doctor bills. <laughs> Amen. And then I'm finding out with Diet Coke's an alternative to other things, what it did to my bones and it cost all that calcium to flood my body and put my doctors in in a conniption fit trying to figure out what was wrong with me and then they made me go get these MRIs and all these other tests and then turn around and then I got to go through this nuclear test and then I got to go in and I got to get some gland moved out of my neck so I get throat surgery and uh, just one thing after another. Why? Because come to find out that the soft drinks and stuff is helping deplete the calcium out of my bones. Mm -hmm. And if I'd be taking some kind of supplement to help my bones, it'd be a whole lot better and cheaper than to have them cut my throat and then pay all the, what do you call that? Deductible, amen, to, to pay the doctor. So listen, eating healthy is a good thing. I want to be in the ministry as long as I can. I don't want to have a heart attack. I want to preach as long as I can. I want to serve the Lord as long as I can. And I need to be healthy to be able to do that. Three or four years ago, I could hardly walk. Yesterday, I walked 18 holes with my son. Then I could have barely walked. 36. <laughs> So we, we, you know, getting out there, trying to do some things, walking two miles a day at work and, and things like that. What? To get in shape, to stay in shape. Amen? So I can be used of God in my later years. That's what I want to be. I'd rather, I'd rather die with good health than to die with bad health. I see what's happening when you go to the hospital, see people dying of bad health. And the one thing I like about Dr. Glidden that he said, and that's why I got on these minerals and stuff like that. Uh, somebody said, well, you're on this health kick. Yeah, I'm tired of being unhealthy. Yeah. I'm tired of being sick. And uh, and so the thing is, is uh, he said, our goal is a short prayer request in every church in the country. And I said, I like that. Let's shorten prayer requests. I, amen. Somebody said, well, they're just out trying to get money out of you and trying to get you to buy their products. Yeah, well, you think pharmaceuticals trying to get me to do that? You think the doctor's not cashing in on all those pharmaceuticals that they keep recommending to you, and then you got 8, 10, 12, 15, 16, 20 bottles sitting down in front of you, 
you can't remember which ones you took and you got to take them this time, this time, this time, this time, this time, and trying to memorize all of what you got to take. And then all of a sudden they jack it all up. So one of the things that my endocrinologist was offering me, it was real high price. And then they lower it down to 25 bucks and then all of a sudden now it's up to 300. I said, I ain't paying 300 for that. I go buy the herbs and minerals and nutrition and vitamins and everything else that I got to buy. And I'd rather uh, urinate out about $4 a day in vitamins than I would to turn around and take this medicine that's messing me up. Amen. You ever hear a commercial about a, a pharmaceutical on television? You ever hear that commercial? 45 seconds. All the health conditions that you can just to secure one, it creates 45 other problems. <laughs> if it creates bleeding, if it creates this, and then all the lawyers on there, did you take this medicine? Do you have these symptoms? Did this happen to you? You maybe uh, have money coming. <laughs> Amen. I, I, I want to avoid the lawyers. I want to avoid the doctors. Amen. Let's turn to Mark. Mark chapter number five. He said, how do, how do you change that stuff around? Amen. Uh, Dr. Joe Wallet, man, the stuff that that guy's saying, I've watched about 10 hours of his stuff. And he's talking about getting the 90 essential vitamins and minerals and, and supplements that you need and the fatty acids and things that you need to make you be healthy. Uh, he said, you're not going to get it from vegetables. You're not going to get it from foods. You got to supplement, and people don't supplement. They 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 say, pass me another piece of pizza, hand me another hamburger, buy me another order of fries, uh, give me another order of biscuits and gravy. That's what's killing us. Amen. And soft drinks and and uh, sports drinks and all that other stuff's going through the roof, and we can afford all that stuff. What's a monster cost now? <laughs> Two for four dollars. Two no. for four dollars. You know, I'd rather I'd rather take I'd rather take two dollars worth of minerals, and some people can drink those monster drinks and those uh, like Red Bulls. I never had a Red Bull. No. I, I don't want a Red Bull, mm -hmm. but I see the price tag on them, and I said, Nah, pass. Amen. It's going through the roof, and I'd rather put it towards vitamins and minerals. Amen. Let's look at what it says here. Uh, Mark chapter number five. It says, verse twenty-four. Jesus went with him and much people followed him and thronged him and a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years how long was she sick 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians or the doctors put it to her and spent all that she was there you go and was nothing better but grew what grew worse hey amen you got to be careful doctors you know why you'll spend all your money on them. amen now, Dr. Glenn said this, he said, when it comes to fixing bones and repairing arteries and things like that, when you get an accident and you go to the doctor and he helps, that's great. He said, but tons of these diseases out there are nutritional deficiency diseases. And uh, there's a bunch of physician created diseases and you're making a fortune on. Obesity is a physician created disease. Alzheimer's is a physician created disease. And uh, these guys know some things that can do all that to hurt you. We just need to be careful. You just need to be careful what they're doing. And uh, so I like it. I'm, I'm learning. I'm going the other direction. I'm running from doctors as fast as I can. Amen. And uh, I love it when the doctor calls up. You haven't been here for years. You need to come in. I said, well, if I'm not sick, why do I need to show up? Well, they want $100 for an office visit. Amen. And they want an office visit after office visit after office visit. 
He said there's 250,000 different drugs on the market. Take 500 antibiotics off the shelf. The rest, none of them are designed to cure anything. They only treat the symptoms. That's all they do. They don't, they don't cure nothing. They don't help you. But we want to keep going to them and spending money on them. I got, I got some dear friends that's got COPD and they got some lung issues and things like that. And uh, some of the pills they got to take, $1,000 a month, good night. How, how does anybody afford that kind of stuff? The medicines they want to give my mom and get her to take, unbelievable through the roof. Man, it's getting quiet. <laughs> you understand? I mean, the fortunes, they got to spend in all this stuff. And then they kill them. They die. He talks about, Dr. Joe Wallet talks about uh, Andy Rooney goes in dead for a simple little procedure. Dick Clark goes in for a simple little procedure. He's dead. He had, he had an appointment to go golfing after he had this little procedure. Never made it out of the office. Mm -hmm. Michael Jackson, dead. I don't agree with Michael Jackson. I think he was wrong. He was wicked and vile, but the doctor killed him. And then Neil Armstrong went in, had a 30% blocked artery at 82 years old. The doctor said, we'll go in and put in a little stamp. We'll do this, we'll do that, and uh, we'll get you all taken care of. Neil Armstrong's dead at the hand of a physician. He didn't need that heart procedure. That artery is 30% blocked. doctor needs to be put in jail for what he did and how he killed he said there's more people die at the hand of physician than any one thing. The number three killer, they say, is out there is people don't make it out of the hospital, they die. And the number one thing that kills everybody is physicians and they got a license to practice and nobody removes their license and nobody takes. You know what? Some of the things that I know today, Brother Lovell probably wouldn't even be in there right now. Amen. Well, that was a fun one, wasn't it? Let's go on. First Thessalonians 4. Doctrines of devils. You just got to be careful with anybody with the name doctor on it, even a preacher that's named doctor. I got some friends that I know they're doctor, like Dr. Ruttman. He's got several earned doctors. You just got to be careful. Amen. Take them to the Word of God. Check them out. Make sure they're telling you the truth. Amen. Rightly dividing what? You got to be careful. You got to be careful who you're following. You better understand. Amen. First Thessalonians 4, verse 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. Do you have any hope today? When you bury a loved one, do you have hope when you stand at the casket and know where they're at? Amen. I, I've gone to try to witness every one of my family members that I know uh, is real close and seen if they've trusted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Now, their lives don't reflect. Some of them, their lives don't reflect it. And if they died, I don't know. My dad said he was 13 years or he was a teenager. He said he walked an aisle, put his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And followed the believer's baptism. He's the only one ever told me he's followed the believer's baptism. Every person I ever witnessed to in over 30 years, when you talk to them, they say they're baptized. Nobody's ever said I followed the believer's baptism. Somebody taught my dad right as a teenager. Somebody told my dad right. But my dad, I've heard testimonies about things that he did. He, they used to have Bible studies and stuff when he met my mom. But uh, I never seen that growing up. My dad and mom divorced. My dad, last I knew, was drinking, and he, he was living with his third woman, which would have been his wife. Uh, 
They were living together. He got her off the pharmaceuticals. She got him supposedly off the booze. I don't know. My dad said, what's a piece of paper? I said, well, I think it matters in God's eyes. But uh, he died. Where's he at? I don't know. I don't know if he went up. I don't know if he went down. Uh, hopefully he went up. Hopefully he went to be with the Lord. I don't know. But you know what? I witnessed to him multiple times. Tried to get him to come to church and hear me preach. He wouldn't come hear me preach. Uh, he sat there right there at the table and told my wife how he got saved as a young man right there in front of his girlfriend. So, could he have been saved? Yeah, he could have been saved. He could have trusted the Lord, but some people fouled him up. There, my, my grandpa got mad at the preacher and pulled the family out of church. Well, there's, there's a problem when you get mad at the preacher and you pull the family out of church. Amen. Say what? They can raise them grandchildren and send them to hell. Amen. He had four sisters. As far as I know, there ain't none of them living for God. Mm. Now, my Norma's got a daughter that's her husband, Neil, supposedly went to a Bible school. They're an assembly God or something like that. But uh, And she's supposedly saved. But I don't know much more outside of all that. I don't know much about that side of the family. But I do know this, that uh, there's a bunch of hellions over there on the other side of the family. Amen. That's what I learned to do all by sin. So, uh, just have to be careful. But I, you know what? I don't know. I didn't get a chance to stand at my dad's funeral because my dad didn't want to have a funeral and his girlfriend didn't have a funeral. And they all wanted to, my sister wanted to show up over the house and have a beer and remember to dad. I said, I ain't doing that. See ya. And I left when, after dad died. All I know is I want to have hope. I tried to reach my dad. I tried to reach my stepmother. She hated my guts for all the tracks and everything I used to send in letters. I, used to, I never met her. She died of throat cancer. Never got to meet her, but I sent literature and tracts and letters to my dad. She hated my guts. Never even met me. Why? I assume it was the gospel. Amen. I tried to reach him. Tried to reach my mom. Tried to reach my stepdads. Got to preach to them. Got to, tried to reach my families. That's what you got to do. So when they die, you want to have hope. I don't want somebody to say, you didn't tell me. You didn't tell me. You didn't tell me how to be saved. I don't, I don't want somebody to say that to me. If they die, and I get that phone call, so-and-so's dead, I want to know, hey, I witnessed to them, and I told them the truth. What they did with the truth, that's their business. But I told them the truth. I warned them. I want to be able to warn them. Amen? And then, so, let's look at verse 14. For if we believe that Jesus, what? And rose again, even so them which sleep in Jesus, that's their body sleeping in Jesus, will God bring what? So their soul's with them. They're not sleeping in the ground. Their body's in the ground, but they're with God. Right? They've absent from the bodies to be present with who? The Lord. So if I die, my body, my soul doesn't stay in the ground. My body stays in the ground. My spirit and soul go to be with the Lord. I'm with the Lord. Right? There's part of me in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6 or 7, that I'm seated already in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. There's part of me already over there. Right? So if absent from the body, present with the Lord. And God's going to bring them with him. So they're coming back. What are they going to do? They're coming back to get their new bodies. They're going to have it. They're, old. they're coming down where that old body's at. It's going to be turned into a glorified body. Amen. It's going to come up out of the ground. Amen. Watch this. Verse 15. For this we say unto you by how? The word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain on the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven. With a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead shall rise, what? 
Then Christ shall rise what? First. And then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord where? Amen. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Amen. We have a, we have a big doctrine of the devil going on out there today. Uh, preachers and people are getting on the bandwagon really bad. Amen. They're getting on the bandwagon saying there's no rapture. And they're robbing Christians of their blessed hope, Titus 2.13. Amen. And they're, they're trying to rob us of our greatest joy, that we're going to leave this stinking world. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 1. Verse 10. And to wait for his son from heaven. So where's he coming from? From heaven. But he raised from the dead even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. The wrath to come. You know what the wrath to come is? Huh? The tribulation. The wrath to come. Amen. It's the trib. It's the tribulation. This is a period of wrath. The wrath of the Lamb, Revelation 6. The wrath of uh, God, Revelation 14, Revelation 16. The wrath of Satan, Revelation 12. This period is called a time of wrath. You know what he's done? He's delivered me by the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ from wrath to come. I'm not going to face wrath. Nahum chapter 1 verse 2 says that he reserveth his wrath for his enemies. Amen? Amen. <laughs> not for his children. He's not going to pour out his wrath on his bride. Amen. How many of you, Caleb, would you go out to your car with your wife in it, set it on fire? No, but Jesus Christ is going to set the world on fire and burn people up at his coming. He ain't going to burn his bride. You understand? He ain't going to torture his bride. Amen. That's not love. Hello. Chapter number two. Verse 19. For what is our hope? Or joy, a crown of rejoicing. Are ye not the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his what? He's coming. Ain't that something? Chapter number three. Chapter number three, verse 13. To the end, he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all the saints. He's bringing them back with him. Amen. Chapter number five. Chapter 5, verse 1. But at the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. The day of the Lord. Amen. God's coming. He's going to bring, he's going to bring judgment right there, the start of it. But right here is his second coming, his advent. That's when he's coming back. He's coming back at the second advent. This is his revelation. This is where he reveals himself. Revelation 1, 7. Every eye shall see him. Amen. That's his revelation. Here at his appearing. This is his appearing. This is the rapture. Amen. This is where he appears to his, to his people. Amen. Let's go to 1 Timothy. <coughs> 1 Timothy, uh, 2 Timothy, I'm sorry, 2 Timothy 4, 
He's going to appear to the saints, to the believers. He came to believers first at his first coming, and then 30 years later he appeared to his enemies. He's going to show up to the saints at the first coming, and then or at the, the rapture, and then he's going to make his appear, uh, revelation. Every eye will see him at the revelation. At the second advent. Watch this. Verse 1, I charge thee, therefore, before God, and the Lord Jesus Christ, you should judge the quick and who? The dead. Two groups. Quick. The living and the dead. At his appearing and his kingdom. There's two separate judgments. There's two separate appearings. Amen. He appears to the saints and he takes them up. He takes the church age saints up to the judgment seat of Christ. Amen. He takes believers up to the judgment seat of Christ. That's where we're heading. You know where we're going to meet him? We're going to meet him right there in the air. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. People said, it doesn't say rapture. Back to 1 Thessalonians 4. A lot of these guys that are sitting back preaching about the rapture, that's not going to happen. They're taking scriptures and they're twisting scriptures because they don't realize what's going to happen. Most people are referring to scriptures to deal with the revelation. Where they think it's dealing with the rapture, this is where they're at. The rapture of the Jewish trib saints, not the church saints, because they don't know how to rightly divide their body. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. Watch this. Verse 17. Then we which are alive and what? Remain shall be what? Caught up. There's rapture right there. Look up the word rapture. You know what it means? A seizing, a snatching, a taking away, a sudden violent uh, uh, seizing. It's to be caught up. Amen. That's what it means. In Latin, it's raptu, to snatch, to catch away, to be caught up. Amen. <laughs> well, I tell you what, we're going to be snatched out of here. He's going to take us. He's going to change my vile body and fashion like on his glorious body. I'm going to get a glorified body. Let's go to 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, by our gathering together unto what? By our gathering together unto him. You never noticed a word together? You ever break that word down? To get her. <laughs> He's coming to get her. Amen. <laughs> right? Our gathering to get her. <laughs> together. By our gathering together unto him, that you be not soon shaken of mind, nor or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter from us, is the day of Christ is at hand. Well, I'll tell you what, you better be prepared. He's coming. Amen. He's coming to get us. He's coming soon. Amen. The rapture is going to happen soon. Amen. That passage right there is us going up. He's coming to get us. Here he's coming back to judge the world. There's a difference between our and his appearing, our gathering onto him versus him coming back to destroy the armies of the world. And guess what? I'm with him there. Amen. I'm part of his army. He's coming back. There's a big difference. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. 
You say, why are you saying all that? Because we have a blessed hope. And there's a bunch of preachers out there trying to rob us of our hope, trying to get us to look for the man of sin. Listen, I enjoy looking at all the this prophetic signs and wonders coming to pass. I love seeing all that stuff. Uh, I don't know who the Antichrist is going to be. Everybody's got them all figured out who he is. Some say Obama. Some say the Pope. Some say Prince William. I don't know. Some say this new guy, Alex, whatever his name is, over there in Greece. I don't know who he is. I care less who he is. I'm not looking for the man of sin. I'm looking for the Lord of glory. Amen. I'm just telling you, Hitler was a type of the Antichrist. And there's a bunch of things that, that, that Hitler did that fulfilled the the type of the Antichrist. They're types. Uh, Dr. Ruckman in his books got 18 different types in the Bible of men that were like the Antichrist. Amen. I don't know who he is, but I know a bunch of men are the types of them. And in the world, there shall be Antichrist. But there's going to be one, the Antichrist. One man of sin. One son of perdition. Amen. I don't know who he is. Amen. But I know one thing, we're getting near to us leaving right here. And this whole world's about to come apart, and God's fixing to pour his wrath out on this world right there. He's coming to get us. First Corinthians 7, number 15, talking about the resurrection. All these guys out there, they don't want to look at the resurrection. I'm going to give you one word and clue about the mystery, or the rapture, and it's called mystery. Let's look at chapter number 15, verse 51. Behold, I show you what? A mystery. There it is, right there. That's why people can't get it. That's why Christians and preachers and people with all these new Bibles and everything, they cannot get a hold of it. You know why? It's a mystery. And because they can't figure it out, they can't see it, they're blinded to it. Therefore, they say it's not going to happen. It doesn't exist, and they're trying to rob Christians of their joys. And we got a bunch of preachers that don't know how to study their Bible and are following a bunch of these doomsdayers, amen, and reading books out of their Christian bookstores, and they're going to believe a lie. They're trying to tell me I'm preaching a false heresy and I'm deceiving people. I'm telling you, the Lord said he's coming to get me, and I believe it. And I'm not appointed to wrath, and he reserved his wrath for his enemies. And this thing's a mystery. Now look at what it says. Behold, I'll show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be what? Change. He's going to change. Amen. Philippians 3.20 or 19. He's going to change my vile body and fashion it and liken it on his glorious body. I have a hope. What is that hope according to Romans 8? The whole creation is groaning for. I'm going to get a new body. And I'm going to, and, and God's going to remove this curse from this old world. I'm going to live in a sin, curse-free world. <laughs> He's going to change my body. Somebody was making mention today about not getting old and their old bodies hurting. Amen. We're going to get a new body one of these days. Amen. Amen. <laughs> in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. There you go, preacher. There you go. That puts you right smack in the middle of the tribulation. No, it doesn't. There's seven trumpets in the book of Revelation, but that ain't the one that's talking about. That ain't one of the seven. The trump is a sound that a trumpet makes. If you go back to Numbers chapter number 10, Numbers 10, there's, there's two sounding of the trumpets. One's the gathering assembly together and the other one's going forth to battle. And there's a trump going to come out, a blast, a trump of God, 1 Thessalonians 4, the sound of a trumpet. And he's calling me up. Amen. John said it. God called him up. He said he heard behind him it was the sound of a trumpet. Come up hither. You know what he did? He came up hither. 
Rapture of the church, Revelation 4. John's a picture of the church being raptured out. And the body of Christ is gone. There's no more mention of it during the tribulation except at the second coming of Jesus Christ. Revelation 17 and Revelation 19. Amen. We'll all be changed. Now, let's watch. Look at something real quick. We only got a few minutes. Verse 22. For as in Adam all what? 1 Corinthians 15, 22. All what? Do you hold that to be true? There's only one that I know, or two men I know that didn't die. Enoch and Elijah. And there's one that I know that ain't going to die, and that's Enoch. He's a type. He's the only picture type of the Bible doctrine of the rapture that somebody will walk with God and please God, and he'll take him out bodily. That was Enoch. Amen. Yeah. Amen. There, that, you, got, you got New Testament. You got an Old Testament type about New Testament doctrines there. Amen. People just need to study their Bibles. Amen. And Jesus Christ died and rose again. Now watch this, what it says. Even so, in Christ shall all be made alive. you got to get in Christ to be made alive. How do you get in Christ? Not water baptism. Get in Christ. We're all children of God. How? By faith in Christ Jesus. Now watch this. But every man in his own order, Christ who? The first fruits. Okay, what are you doing? We're bringing out the feast. The feast of Leviticus. Here's the thing that everybody misses. Amen. They missed Leviticus 23. Leviticus 23, the seven feasts of Israel are mentioned. And three times a year, according to Deuteronomy 16, 16, that those Jews had to meet God and go up three times a year to have feast. They had to do that. All the males shall appear. He's expecting them to do that. You got, you got Passover. Christ was crucified at Passover. You got Passover. Amen. You got uh, first fruits and unleavened bread. Fifty days later, amen, you have Pentecost. That's where the Holy Spirit come down and people were baptized by the Holy Ghost, put into Christ right here. Pentecost. You got Passover. You have Pentecost. That's 50. 50 days. Seven sevens. You got Pentecost. And then over here, you're going to have tabernacles. Tabernacles. And at tabernacles, you have trumpets. Oh, oh, oh. And then you have atonement. That's where Israel's going to be made one. Right? At one minute. Atonement. Right? You got Passover. You have unleavened bread. And then you have uh, first fruits. Christ comes up from the grave when? He comes up from the grave after Passover. Christ the first fruits. Where's that happen? Matthew 27. You understand? Matthew 27, Christ comes up. And many of the saints which slept arose bodily. And they went into the city and appeared unto many bodily. Graves opened up. The dead shall rise first. <laughs> they went into the city and appeared on the many. 
You understand? Christ, the first fruit. He took a group of people up with him. So how do you know that? Look in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8. You know what he did? He led captivity captive. There's a bunch of people that were dead bodily and alive soulishly down in the heart of the earth in Abraham's bosom. Christ, when he dies, he goes down to Abraham's bosom, drops our sins off into hell, goes over and preaches, amen, to them that were in prison, and he leads them captive. He takes those, he, he takes them, and he leads them up, and he takes them up and moves paradise up into the third heaven, up here. Christ, the first fruits. There's already a bodily resurrection, a bodily rapture that took place right there. The Holy Ghost comes down and baptizes people into Jesus Christ. Starts with a Jewish body mainly, and then he goes in and then begins to add Gentiles to the body that was started here in Acts 2. Amen? Acts 10 and 11. Peter said that they got the Holy Ghost just like we did. When did he get it? In Acts 2. You know what he said in Luke 22 right here? Jesus Christ in Luke 22 is heading to Gethsemane. He prays in Gethsemane. Right before he goes into Gethsemane, he tells Peter, when thou art converted. Peter wasn't converted until here. Well, people, people better get a hold of this thing. They're, they're not reading their Bible. They're not studying and understanding. Christ the first fruits. What's it say next? 1 Corinthians 15. Then we which... What's it say? It said first fruits, and afterward they that are what? Christ. That means Christ. That they that are Christ. Do you see that? Are Christ with a apostrophe S? That's possession. Amen. You know what I am according to Ephesians chapter 1, verses 12, 13, 14. I am a purchased possession. And I am his. He's coming after his own. And he's going to take me out. They that are his right here. This is the rapture of the church. <laughs> you know this pictures? This picture's harvest. Amen. According to a crop. Here you got first fruits. Here you got the harvest. It's mainly a Gentile bride. Started Jewish. Begin to add. You can get some Jews in it today a little bit, but not many. But it's mainly a Gentile church. A harvest. Take it up. Right? Then cometh what? Then cometh the end. The great tribulation. Daniel 70th week. The time of Jacob's trouble. Amen. Trib saints. You know what picture that pictures of the harvest? The gleanings. You understand? You got to get that. You got to understand what's going on. Three parts to the first resurrection Christ the first fruits. Second part of the resurrection the church, they that are Christ that is coming, then cometh in. The third part of the first resurrection. Everybody sees this. Everybody don't, everybody sees this for the most part, but they don't see this. Why? It's a mystery. They miss it. And so they don't see this, and they see all this coming. They see the storm 
clouds of the tribulation, they see the destruction. There's so many people on YouTube saying, we're in the seventh week. The witnesses are here. The destruction. All, listen, this ain't nothing. This is nursery school stuff. What's going on? The dead fish in the seas, the earthquakes. This ain't nothing compared to what God's going to do. When God pours out his judgment on earth, I'm telling you, friend, it ain't nothing like you ever seen before. Praise God. Something went flying somewhere. <laughs> Amen. They that are Christ. And then look what he says. Then come at the end when he shall deliver up the kingdom of, to God, even the Father, even when he or when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and all power, for he must what? Reign. Did you notice that, Mr. Amillennialist? That he raptures three times in the first resurrection before he even reigns. And then he must reign a thousand years. <laughs> you say, what is that? A thousand years. You say, what is that? That's the millennial kingdom. Well, I tell you what. <laughs> he's coming. And these people deny that thing exists. They're liars. They ain't studied this book. They're, they're going to the, the bookstore and they're going in there reading elementary kindergartner stuff. And they all want to parrot one another and preach one another's doctrines. And they don't want to get in this book and study this book the way it's supposed to be preached and understand what God's got laid out here. They won't study it. They want to eschew it. They spit it out. They're spitting out Bible doctrine. And then they're going around on radio and television and they're trying to convince people the rapture ain't going to happen. They're robbing Christians of their hope and their joy. It's a blessed hope. It's a glorified hope. It's a purified hope. It's a lively hope. Christ is coming back at Pentecost. He died at Passover. He's got a second advent. It's going to be a tabernacle, September, October. He said, how do you know he's coming back at Pentecost? Song of Solomon, chapter number two. Can't leave without this. Song of Solomon, chapter number two. He does everything and revolves around those feasts because everything he does, even though he's called out a Gentile bride, it still works around the Jewish feast. God is consistent. And he changes not. He's got a plan and he's working his plan. And the way the church is going, the way the world's going, everybody, they hate Jesus Christ, they hate his children. And he's going to come back and take his bride out because the day of the Gentiles is fully come. Song of Solomon, chapter number two, verse eight. The voice of my beloved, behold, he cometh leaping upon the mountains and skipping upon the hills. My beloved is like a roe or a young heart. Behold, he standeth behind our wall and looketh forth at the windows, showing himself through the lattice. He's playing peekaboo. <laughs> Amen. My beloved spake and said unto me, what? Rise up! Resurrection. My love, my fair one. Come what? This one, he comes to the ground and he touches the Mount of Olives and it cleaves. The second advent, fire precedes him. He comes back on a white horse. He destroys the armies of the world and the Antichrist. 
Here he calls her out. <laughs> Come away. Who, my fair one, my dove. Verse 11, for lo, winter's past. Rain is over, that goodbye April, and gone. The flowers appear on the earth. Bring who? Mayflowers. You want to know something? You know what, you know what number five is? Five is a number of death. You ever hear somebody say, Mayday, Mayday? It'll be death to this world. Church goes out. You talk about God beginning to pour it out. He's going to turn the devil loose on the whole world and give the whole world an opportunity to worship the devil and serve the devil. And the devil's going to kill. He's going to destroy. And then he'll be destroyed. Well, I'm telling you, you talk about something coming upon this earth. There's never been a time on this earth like it, nor never shall be. I'm telling you, Jesus cried out about this day. It's a bad day. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Flowers are here to appear. The time of the singing of the birds has come. The voice of the turtle is heard in our land. The fig tree putteth forth her green figs, and the vines with their tender grape give a good smell. You ever see the leaves are out? The buds are on the trees. Amen. Arise, my love, my fair one. Come away. He takes his church out when? In the spring. When? Pentecost. When is that this year? Pentecost. Amen. This year for us is May 25th. So what I'd be doing is I'd be looking from the 14th, amen, through the to the 25th. You say, why? That's the day of his ascension, supposedly. That's the day he supposedly, right before Acts, ascended up. Right before Acts 2. Because in Acts 1, he goes away. This same Jesus which you see leaving shall come how in like manner in the clouds. <laughs> Visibly. He's going to take us out. Ascension Day is the 14th. Pentecost is the, is the 24th. Somewhere in this week, I'd be looking for the rapture, the trumpet to be sounded. I'd be looking for dead people coming out of the ground. We said, you're crippled too high for crutches. I'm telling you, the same thing is going to be consistent. There's going to be a bodily witness, a bodily resurrection of the dead. But the, earth, the world is convert, perverting it. You know what they're doing? They've got all these zombies. You know what those zombies typify? You know what Michael Jackson's sung about? A bunch of dead zombies, people coming out of the ground. The dead shall rise first, but they don't understand the dead that's coming out of the ground ain't going to be walking around like a bunch of monsters and devils. They're going to have a glorified body, and they're going to be appear glorious. Now, the world may not seem glorious, but I'm telling you what, it's going to be glorious. Amen? It's going to be a wonderful day. See my brother-in-law come back in the church. Hey, Clifford, we're about out of here. <laughs> That'd be a good thing. Right? See my mother-in-law and father-in-law show up. They're just only a couple miles away. They're going to come up, come to church. Wouldn't that be fun? Huh? Wouldn't that be something? <laughs> brother Love will come out of the ground. Come to church. Hey, Brother Cliff. Jesus, coming back. <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? Oh, man, making my hair stand on end right now. Just thinking about that. I guarantee you he'd come here and show up. All right? He'd be at liberty, walk in on Brother Gresham. Wouldn't that freak him all out? Huh? He just walks down the road from where they're buried, walks in. Hey, church, how you doing? Jesus coming back, glorified body. I guarantee you, people freak out. They've wet themselves in the pews. <laughs> Amen. I'm telling you, they don't believe that. 
But I believe it. Sam Gibb preached it. I believe it. You say, why? Because I believe it's consistent with the scriptures. I believe scriptures tell me the truth. Except Brother Gibb believes he's coming here in October. September, October, Tabernacles. I don't believe that. See, why? Because I believe they already entered in Daniel's 7th week right there. And Daniel's 7th week was stopped. And they put in a church age. Amen. 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 Father, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for being so good. Thank you for the opportunity to be able to preach. Thank you for the truth of the Word of God. Thank you for the comfort and hope of the Scriptures. God, thank you that I'm believing this place. Lord, I can't wait to see Brother Love in Jesus' name.